1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 says, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south in Ziglag and smitten Ziglag and burned it with fire. And taking the women captives that were therein, they slew not any either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. I'm going to skip their names. Not that they don't mean anything, but. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David, and David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop, and shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and we without fail recover all. Say, recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and came to the brook Bessor where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drank any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am young man of Egypt, servant to the Amalekites, and my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherthites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziglag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt not kill me. And let's just go to 16. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all. Say, he recovered all. The Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them. Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, I just pray that you go ahead and you send your message to your people. I pray, God, that all of us are inspired today. I pray that we receive encouragement. 
that your word be food to us, Father, to strengthen us. I pray today that we make decisions, Lord, to pursue. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Everybody says, shake your neighbor's hand and have your seat if you can. I'm very broken. I've been crying for a few days. And I got to go by and see Mondo for a little bit. And I'm very happy to know that you're in recovery. Mondo, you're in recovery. That broke me on the way home. I was driving home from Los Angeles and I was tripping that Mondo's in recovery. But that's a good place to be. Because there's a lot of us who will never make it to the spot of recovery. God's desire is for us to be totally restored. He has the ability to restore everything. And he wants to enable us to recover. Not partial. Not a temporary partial. I stole that from you. Not a temporary partial recovery, but he wants us to recover all. Tell your neighbor he wants us to recover that's important because a lot of us want to just recover a little bit and think that we're cool and we want to park it right there. But God wants us to recover all. Today is a weird time, especially the enemy appears like he's stealing everything from everybody. He's stealing wives and he's stealing husbands and he's stealing children. The dope dealer's got your kids, or maybe your kid is a dope dealer, but he belongs to the Lord of drugs, the drug lords. Maybe your daughter's working the streets. Maybe your daughter that hasn't even been born, the devil got plans for her. Today it can be very discouraging what the enemy has taken, what he's taking, and what he's about to take if it wasn't for the consolation of God's word and the promises of God's word. This is a day where so many people will want to throw in the towel and not want to go after the plans and purpose and the reason why you really exist of God and just park it. You see, God has given you and I so many promises. It don't really matter what the enemy has done to you. It doesn't really matter what the enemy is doing to you. And it doesn't matter what the enemy is going to try to do to you. Because our God has the power to restore. And our God can enable you to recover. That's twice I said enable. Why? I'll tell you in a minute. He has the authority. He has the ability to restore to his people everything that the enemy has stolen. Amen. You see, today, anybody that has stolen stuff very rarely returns it. In today's world, recovering anything that had gotten stolen is rare. But what's more rare is recovering everything. Have you ever heard of anybody that got ripped off that got everything back? I haven't. That is rare. But God said to David, and he's saying to you and I today, in this spiritual realm. 
that it doesn't matter what the enemy has stripped you from. You can't, you not only can recover some, but you can recover all. What the enemy has stripped you from, you can recover all. If you can get a hold of this in your heart, and if you can get a hold of this in your mind, just knowing this fact is very powerful. You see, Saul was a jealous king. He was jealous of the anointing of David. And he had a son named Jonathan. And his son Jonathan and David, they got really close. It said that their hearts were knitted together. And if it wasn't for this friendship of Jonathan with David, Saul probably would have succeeded in killing David earlier. But early, but one thing was that when God has a plan for you, when God has a purpose for your life, he even will plant somebody in the enemy's camp to keep you alive, to sustain you. A lot of us are here because God did something to keep us around. And why has God kept us around? There's a plan for your life. There's a purpose for each life here in this room. My Bible says that before you were formed in your mother's wombs that I knew the plans for you. God has plans for you. A lot of us have our own dreams. And you might think that those are divine destinies. But those were developed on your own. But what I want to talk about is that destiny that comes from God for your life. The purpose that God has for your life. Not a self-produced dream, but one that God had before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I'm going to tell you something that this plan and purpose for your life, the enemy has tried to steal it. The enemy has stole it before you were born. Hallelujah. I love you, Pastor Darrell. So anyways, you find David there in an area called Ziglag. He ran from Saul because Saul wanted to kill him. Saul, he got his, his, his calling on his life was rejected because he didn't answer the purpose on his life. And he seen the anointing on David's. So he starts going after David to kill him. And David goes on the run. David finds himself in a cave called Abdullam. And there he meets about 400 men inside that cave. And for some oddball reason, they chose to make him their leader. I'm going to tell you, working with these men, I don't deserve. Having Sabrina here, I don't deserve. I don't deserve my wife. David might not have felt he deserved to be their leader, but they made him the leader. Are you with me? And so they, 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 he finds himself there with these men. And at that time, it says that they were discontented. It says that they were distressed. It says that they were in debt. In other words, they were outcast. He had a group of outcast men. Now, if you jump ahead to 2 Samuel, you're going to see that the Bible refers to them as mighty men. And it says that each one of them did great and mighty things. But that's in 2 Samuel. In 1 Samuel, they were outcast. There was a journey and a time in between the cave of Abdullam until they became David's mighty men. 
And what happens with a lot of us is that time of shaping and molding from becoming outcasts to mighty men and women of God, some of us get lost in the process. And some of us don't go the distance that we have to go to or we can't get through the obstacles or the necessary process to prepare us for the call and purpose of God on our life. Are you with me? Ziglag is where he ended up at under a king called Achish. You see in the beginning there in chapter 30, it says, then they returned to Achish after the third day. You see, when they arrived there, they found, well, what happened is this. Let me, let me go back a little bit. Chapter 22 is in the cave of Abdullah where he finds his troops. And until chapter 30, they gain by numbers. They go from 400 to 600. 600 men are now following David. And what he does is he flees to the land of the Philistines. Are you following me? Who did David kill and chop off the head of? Who was he? He was a giant of the Philistine army. And now David's in the land of the Philistines. Do you know what that means? That means Pastor Stevan going to a Raider game. <laughs> it ain't supposed to happen. Huh? These are his enemies, and there he is in his enemy's camp. Not only is he there, they gave him a whole city called Ziglag for him and his men. And there he is, and he won the favor of Achis, the king there, or one of the generals. Made him think that he was on his side. And so now they're going to war against the Israelites. You'll see that in chapter 29. They're going to war against the Israelites. And what happens is the other four generals start thinking and said, hey, wait a minute, man. We don't want this guy with us. Because they were going to go fight the Israelites who was being led by Saul. And David might see an opportunity to fight within the ranks to win favor back with Saul. So they said, send him back home. Now, he just traveled about 82 miles from Ziglag to Aphek where they told him to go back home. Took him two days. But it says there on the third day when they arrived at Ziglag, that means that they went home double time. So there he was going to war against his own people, but they decided they didn't want him with them. They sent him home. And he went home double time. That's three days of traveling, 162 miles on foot. Then he finds when he arrives to Ziglag that his whole village had been burnt down. When he arrives at Ziglag, he finds that all his family members were stolen, kidnapped. His wives and children, all his property was taken there. It says that the people were so distressed, they're so tired after traveling 162 miles, that when they get home at Ziglag, that they found everything stolen, their families, their wives, their husband, their children. Everything was gone and in ruins. It says that they cried until they couldn't cry no more. Have you ever cried until there was no more tears to fall from your eyes? You still can feel the pain of the loss, but you just can't cry no more. Sometimes that's where we get to where we have suffered such a loss that we can't even cry no more. 
It says at that time that also David had cried and that he was distressed. It says because they wanted to kill him. They wanted to stone David. All the successes that David had on that one loss got thrown out. Leaders, <laughs> don't matter what you did yesterday. Huh? Sometimes you're going to feel pressed in. And sometimes that's what greatly distress means. But those men that were following him, when you suffer a great loss, when you find yourself at the ends, sometimes you have a great desire to blame others. And they wanted to blame David for what had just happened. They wanted to put blame on David. Are you with me? But I'm going to tell you the truth. See, we need to take responsibilities for our own life. For what happens to us. We can't point the fingers. But if they were to point the finger correctly, the blame belonged to Saul. That's where he lost favor with God from. Because God told Saul to totally wipe out the Amalekites. He told him to kill that whole nation. Their women, their children, their animals. Destroy that whole country. But Saul thought that he would be smarter than God. And instead of being obedient to God, he decided that he would decide what died and what lived and what he should keep. Are you with me? What I'm talking about is the battle that David is now facing. He shouldn't have faced if the generation before him would have been obedient and did what God told him to do. Your and my battles today, some of them are because the generations before us didn't do what God told them to do. And some of the battles that we have today is because in our earlier days of Christianity, we didn't do what God told us to do. And so now we have to face unnecessary battles. But my trip is this, our next generation are they going to have to fight battles that they shouldn't be fighting? Or are we going to handle business what God wants you and me to handle? Our children are going to either have battles to fight that they shouldn't be fighting or they're going to have an inheritance that they're going to be able to walk in and enjoy the blessings or we're going to create a rut for them that gets them stuck and hard to get out. Why? Because we don't obey the word of God. But that's not where we want to park. Hallelujah. So it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Sometimes everybody's going to be against you. Sometimes you're going to feel like you're all alone and greatly distressed. That's not the time to give in. That's the time to strengthen yourself. I asked, how did David strengthen himself? And all that came to me was, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So I started asking, how did David get the joy of the Lord? I think he pulled out a book, a faith book. You see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, he had to remember who God is. He had to remember who he is. He started seeing a, a lion. He started seeing a bear. He started seeing Goliath. He started seeing the tens of thousands. And he knew that God has been with him, that God is still going to be with him. 
him, that God has brought him through other battles, that God is going to get him through this again. And he started praising God, and he started getting joy, and he started getting strong. It says that he asked for Abiathar, the priest. And he said, bring the ephod. What that means is he said, bring the priest over here, but don't bring him as a guy. I want to talk to the man of God. I want to talk to God. I want to inquire of God. And it says that he inquired of God. He asked God, shall I pursue? And if I pursue, shall I overtake? Right here is a heavy point. A lot of us get to this point where we know we've lost a lot and this and that. But we ask God for God to go fight our battles. Okay? David didn't say, God, go fix my mess. He said, what should I do? He asked the Lord, what shall I do? Shall I overtake? Shall I pursue? Shall I go over and try to catch these guys? Or should I let bygones be bygones? You see, don't get it twisted and think that everything that the devil has stolen from you or that you have lost, you should go after. First ask God, shall I pursue? Because there's a lot of things that you shouldn't be going after that you've lost. There's a lot of things that you've lost, man, that you just need to let go. Just let it go. Let that girl go. Let that guy go. Let that job go. Let that house go. Let that money go. But make sure that you ask God what you should pursue. And then the second thing is, Abiathar all of a sudden turned prophet. He turned prophet. He started speaking as the voice of God. And he told him, pursue. You will surely overtake and you will recover all. Now, I don't know about you, but when you hear the voice of God tell you something, when you hear the voice of God answer your prayer, I don't know about you, but my Bible says that faith cometh by hearing the word of God. He heard the voice of God. He heard the word of God. And I believe his face started growing. Another word for faith, when you have faith, is confidence. All of a sudden, he started having confidence. And he's ready to go after what the enemy stolen. Because he knows that the victory has just been guaranteed by the voice of God. Men that wanted to kill him a minute ago now want to follow him. You want people to follow you? You better be walking under the voice of God that faith brings. Huh? When people see that you're full of faith and confidence that only can come from God, people are going to join your bandwagon. People like to follow people that are winners, I'm going to tell you. So they start following David. These men had just traveled 164 miles by foot in three days. They just seen that everything was lost and burnt down. But now they're following somebody to go after it. They got encouraged by the faith of another man. Didn't say that they got faith, but they're following David. But they reach a place called the Brook of Besor. 
Now, I studied it. Pastor, I swear I tried. I Googled it. <laughs> Test me. See if I'm wrong. All it says is cold place. It's a cold place. But we're going to come back to this place later, okay? Tuck that in your pocket. But about 200 men couldn't get over the brook of Besor. Sometimes in order for us to reach the place that we could recover all, we've got to leave some people behind. <laughs> huh? I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes, man, it's just hard carrying people. But we're going to come back there, okay? What's the name of the brook? Besor. So as they continue on the journey, they reach an Egyptian there that was left, and he was hungry. And so they fed him, and they gave him stuff to drink, and the Egyptian regained its energy. Then David asked him his name and who he was and who he belonged to. And the Egyptian started letting them know that he was part of the Amalekite tribe, that he was a servant of theirs left behind because he couldn't keep up with them. And so David said, can you take us to where they're camped? And the Egyptian said, I will if you promise not to kill me. So David said, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. No, no, no. David was a member under the power of God. So he said, of course. And I bet he kept his word. There's another lesson here on the road to get back everything that the devil stole from you. Is don't be so caught up on what you lost that you forget to help people out on the way. You've got to serve people. This is key. I, didn't, I couldn't understand this, but as I started reading more and more, if it wasn't for them stopping to help this Egyptian, they would have never caught up to the Amalekites. They would have never been able to recover. It was helping that guy. They didn't ask the guy who he was first. A lot of us won't help nobody unless we know who you are and that is beneficial for me. That's when I help you. He didn't ask him who he was. He didn't ask him where he was from. He just automatically helped him first. David is discipling his men that on the road of recovery you also got to be involved in service you got to also be involved with helping the community you also got to be helped uh, involved in meeting the needs of others that is very key and essential and imperative for your recovery that's what got them to where they had to go so he led them to the place where they could see the Amalekites they had caught up to him said they caught up to him and when they looked down, they seen them partying, the Amalekites, with all their spoils. Do you understand what that's saying? In other words, who here has lost family members to the devil? Who here has lost anything to the devil? Oh, he's partying with your family right now. He's partying with everything that he's stolen from you. You got to see that, church, because I don't know about you. But if I see the enemy partying with my kids, 
If I see the enemy partying with my family, that's going to make me, even though now I'm extra duty tired, I'm more tired than when I was earlier. I'm more tired than those guys that couldn't get over Bessar. I've traveled even further. But when I see the devil partying with people that should be in church, when I see the enemy partying with people that shouldn't be out there with the devil, people that should be in the kingdom of God, I'm going to get excited and I want to want to fight. It says that David fought from twilight all the way to the next night. That's a long fight, dude. Huh? That's a long fight. Some of you guys, the girls did good at the boxing match with Eric. Girls were good. I mean, I, one of them had to ah, ah, get back out there. Woo-wee. I knew they were tired. These guys were tired. But they fought from twilight to the next night. And it says that they recovered all. Nothing was damaged. And they even returned with everything that was taken. None of it was damaged. And they even had a little extra. Huh? Do you understand what's going on? God wants you to recover everything, the call and purpose on your life. He wants you to recover your family, maybe, ask them. You know, I knew a person that was married and, and her husband was a deadbeat and he left and he burned her and he had uh, slept with other women outside the marriage and she wanted him back. Once she got him back, I don't think she should have prayed that. I think she was better off without him. But that's me. Hold on now, don't stone me. <laughs> I'm going to have to strengthen myself here. <laughs> huh. But make sure you ask back. God wants you to recover what the enemy has stolen, what he has given you, what God has given you, what God has given you, okay, is not to be in the enemy's hands. <laughs> when God has given you something, his desire is for it to be in your hands and for it to come to pass in your life so when you go after it he wants you to recover not everything that the enemy has stolen but that and some more now you're ready to go back to Besor. can we can i get a drink of water because it involves water holy cow smile at me please Besor. Cold place. There was a big part of people that weren't able to be with David to fight. There was a, a large part of the people that weren't able to be with David to where they were able to experience the recovery of everything, the battle of the enemy and recovering everything and some more. They couldn't get over the cold place. And this is where I think is very key for victory outreach if any of us are going to ever recover God don't want us just to be saved he don't want us just to be okay with partial recovery to where now we're not using drugs and we're allowed back into our family's houses and we can drive a car without stealing it okay but he wants you to answer the call and purpose of your life while you're alive he don't want a partial recovery or a part-time recovery but there was people that couldn't get over the cold place. 
Say cold place. What is the cold place? I get to deal with people every day. And not only that, I see it everywhere. What keeps people from having a full recovery is they can't get over things. They can't get over what happened to them as a child. Or they can't get over what has happened to them with their family. They can't forgive themselves for things that they have done. I've heard that time and time again, but you don't know what I have done. Inside my drawer, I, I got my police record. I don't show it to too many people. But when I get a guy that thinks he was all that in a bag of chips and he can't forgive himself, I pull it out and I, I tell him, read that, man. This is what God did for me. And he wants to do it for you. He wants to do it for you. But you're never going to get past Bessor. You're never going to reach the place of recovery if you can't get over the hard times, the cold times of your life. Tell your neighbor, get over it. You might have been molested. And pastor, it sounds cold. But it's true. Get over it. Huh? You might have been raped. It's cold. It hurts. But you got to get over it. You might have done some bad things in your life, man. Jesus Christ has died for your sins and he's risen. That is buried. That is gone. Get over it. You gotta get over the cold place. Don't get stuck at the cold place. 200 men couldn't get past the cold place. They didn't get to experience the, the pleasure of battling the enemy or the experience of recovering it all. They got stuck at the cold place. We need to get over things. So what if the usher didn't shake your hand when you came in those doors? So what if a pastor didn't talk to you in the way you think he should have talked to you? Get over it! Don't get stuck, man! What made those 400 men continue on that journey? They were going to let nothing stop them from getting back everything that the enemy has stolen from them. You need to want to fight. You got to pursue the call of God on your life. You have to fight for the purpose that God has for your life. Rap and kick back. <laughs> the heavy part is Pastor Steve, I wouldn't be here if Pastor Steve didn't battle some battles. And if he was here, he'd be a mess. Thank God for those that went before that fought the battles that they should. We get to today enjoy a lot of blessings that we didn't fight. Then there's some of us that have to fight battles that 
should have been one before us. But what I want to focus on is your children. The children in the children's church over there. The next generation. Are you going to fight the battles that God wants for you today? Huh? Are you going to live out the purpose and the call that God has for your life that he has for you all this time? Because if you don't, guess what's going to happen? Those battles are going to fall into your children's lap. They're going to fall into the next generation of this church's lap. I went out and I had a burrito. I know I look like I've had more than one. (laughs) And this girl was there and the people in the burrito stand said don't give her no money and this and that but we had some clothes from Andre Ward still in my trunk and I asked Damon go fit her up you know she had leaves and branches all over her and I just thought I thought if the church would have been doing her job that shouldn't be like that We shouldn't have the situations we have today if the church is doing what we need to do. And then if we don't do what we got to do today, imagine the next church that's going to be here. We got to rise up, man, and we need to fight our battles today. Otherwise, man, the grapes that we eat today will rot our children's teeth. We need to rise up, man. We need to create an inheritance for our children and our children's children today. We got to handle what God is telling you to do, what God is telling you to do. We need to be obedient to the call and purpose of God in our life or our children are going to have to suffer. I get to have children call me grandpa too. One. Huh. It's a beautiful thing, Richie, to be able to talk to your daughter. Huh. And I often wonder where Sabrina would be. I often wonder where Juju would be. Where Matt and Shana, Julian, where all my grandchildren would be today if I didn't decide to start fighting. Huh? I don't think you two would have met huh? unless you were buying dope off of him because he was going to be a dope dealer. Okay? I don't think these kids would be here today. But these are blessings that we get to enjoy. Why? Because somebody decided to follow Jesus Christ today. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something, man. Antonio said that the struggle to get to Hawaii was superseded greatly by the pleasures and benefits and the experiences there. The fights that you have to fight, man. The challenges that you have to face. The price that you have to pay will be greatly superseded by the benefits that you get to enjoy. I'm going to tell you right now, even if you don't get to see them with your own eye, you get to know that it's going to produce for generations to come, man. Are you willing to fight with us? Are you willing to fight for the future of your loved ones? God wants you to recover all 
That's good news, not partial. He wants you to get everything back intact, as good as new, and some more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mondo was running from a coyote. So he says, you weren't on that button yet, Mondo. And during the fleeing, he fell into a ravine or whatever you call it. And a rock hit him. And like Pastor said, they noticed that something was bleeding or leaking. And so they opened him up just to get a little look-see what might be wrong. But when they looked inside, they seen that his intestine was severed, was cut in half, his intestine. And so they had to cut off parts of his intestines that were damaged and reattach them. They put him out. When I got there, he was still heavily sedated. He was unaware of what was going on or who was there, and he had the tubes in his nose, and, and he was all hooked up to all the machines. And right now he's in recovery. Right now. Right now he's in recovery. He had already gone through the surgery that was necessary. He had went through the fall and the pain. And right now, right now. He had been put to sleep and he had the surgery that was necessary to put everything back in order inside of him. And now he's in recovery. Hallelujah. Some of you have went through the pain of loss. And now God's doing the job. And some of you have gotten past the work and now you are in recovery. Recovery is a good place. Recovery is a good place. Tell your neighbor, recovery is good news. Hallelujah, that's where you get back better, Mondo. You're going to be that fast guy, the fly or whatever you want to be. Come on, fast as breeze. <clears throat> Will you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For a minute, just close your eyes. The enemy has taken enough from you. And the enemy is attacking you right now. The enemy's desire is to party with your children. The enemy's desire is to party with everything that God has given you. Right now, the enemy is partying with some of your purposes. The enemy is having a blast with your calling. He has lullaby you, and he has swayed you to think that your dreams are your destiny. He has lied to you. That's not your destiny. God has a far greater destiny for you. He has a plan for your children, your neighbors, and your society. I like to call you to the altar.